This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association. To learn more about cool ways to support Oh My Dollar and get perks like exclusive live streams and a fancy special icon on our forums, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Carebake. I'm your other host, Will. Okay, Will, this was uh, a topic that was suggested by people on the Oh My Dollar forums, which seem to be coming up a lot recently yeah, in shows. I like this topic. Uh, that's because uh, the forums are great. So one of the questions that people had was how to figure out the tipping point at which you can justify the cost of an expensive bike, in particular e-bikes or electric bikes or mm. um, cargo bikes. So a lot of cargo bikes are pretty expensive. E-bikes, I think I've talked before on the show, is that I have just a regular bike, but it's custom, and so I have a pretty pricey bike. So uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, but we're going to mostly dive into e-bikes because those have a pretty specific cost cost threshold. Like it's harder it's harder to get them for less than, say, 2000 a lot of people go up to 5000 or so on an e-bike and there's a ton of different e-bikes and we're not going to get deep into the debate on e-bikes we're going to talk because in the biking community oh man is there a debate uh but what we are going to talk about is people that chose to get an e-bike or a cargo bike what they considered when they were trying to work out the financial calculus of what is a pretty big investment. Mm -hmm. Um, And even some people who ended up deciding that calculus didn't make sense for them, we're going to walk through it. So hopefully it will give you some ideas if you're thinking about making the leap into an e-bike or a cargo bike to try to walk through different scenarios there. So transportation is one of the largest costs for folks in this country. Um, It is for It depends on your income level, what percentage of your income it is. Uh, But if you're in the lowest 20% of uh, income, then it accounts for 13.4% on average of your uh, total expenses. And if you're in the highest income category, it actually goes up to 15.5%. Do you think that's almost all car ownership? Because that seems way higher than I would have guessed. This is transportation for... across the board. This is an average, though, oh, right? Yeah. So, And cars are generally one of the most expensive forms mm-hmm. of transportation. AAA estimates it costs $9,000 a year to own a car between parking, the car purchase, financing, gas. insurance, gas. A lot of people have been interested in kind of replacing car trips, especially as gas prices go up. I mean, Americans are very spoiled. We pay one of the lowest prices for gas of any country outside of the Middle East. Mm -hmm. But it still really hits your wallet when you're used to paying $3 a gallon. And if it's jumped to $4 a gallon, right, like that's a 30% increase Um, makes a huge deal. So a lot of people are looking into alternative transportation and a lot of people want to start biking. Obviously, I bike. I've never owned a car and I bike for errands, for work. Um, and some people don't want to. Necess- for fun. For fun. I mean, it is like, <laughs> it's actually fun, which I think is it is one of the few transportation modes that I feel is genuinely fun. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that if you live in the States, if you live in North America, most of it is just not set up to accommodate bicycle trips. Right. So mm-hmm. some cities are trying to push for it and do more urban planning. But if you live in the suburbs, if you live in a less friendly city, that you might have a 10 mile or more trip just to get anywhere interesting. Will and I live in Portland. We're very lucky. It's pretty easy to get around by bike here. 
Um, but most people do not live in the biketopia that is Portland, Oregon. And even in Portland, there are big hills. There are fast roads. Rude drivers. Yeah, a lot of majority of people drive to get to work in Portland still, <laughs> right? Or or people are already biking and getting around, but then they have kids or they start needing to uh, change their commute and they have a longer commute or a hillier commute and they start thinking, oh, maybe maybe I need to change the type of bike I have, um, right? Because the average bike actually costs, uh, I think, $300, which is significantly cheaper than the average car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, once you start getting into those fancier bikes, the electric assist bikes, which help you by having a uh, kind of quiet motor that will um, give you a boost either over hills or sometimes they will quietly run in the background all the time and just give you a little extra assist with your pedaling um, or a cargo bike, which are one of those. If you've seen them, they're very common in Amsterdam and Copenhagen in Portland yeah. and in Portland, those big box bikes or bakfiets as they're known. Um, and then there's another kind of bike, a uh, cargo bike called a long tail um, and I'm going to introduce those names because oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that name. That's um, good. <laughs> so a long tail other also known as an extra cycle or a surly big dummy is one of the brand names. Those are bikes that uh, that's what my cargo bike is. It's a bike that has mm. an extended piece on the back that can haul cargo or passengers. So the rear wheel is set back about 20 inches or so from where it would be in a normal bike. And there's a platform um, mm-hmm. and there's usually side cargo pockets. So there's those are kind of one of the more affordable options. The most affordable option, usually across the board for hauling cargo, other than just a basket on the front of your bike, is uh, a trailer. And that's because kid trailers, a lot of people get them just for recreational purposes, but they can actually usually haul a fair amount of uh, cargo with them. But there are some downsides and some reasons why you might want to go with an e-bike or a cargo bike. Interesting. I do kind of want a trailer for my bike. Trailers are great. Aaron wrote in and said, I bought a trailer instead of a cargo bike, but I haul 100 to 300 pounds fairly regularly. So I tell people my trailer is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like the only time I use Uber or Lyft these days is to drag my laundry over to the laundromat when it's a big load. And Ooh. I don't feel like putting it on the bus. Yeah. That's, I e-bike mean, would solve that. My, the, my, my, seven bucks, uh, <laughs> seven bucks a month. But, but I mean, that's one of the really big things is being able to just easily move things. I, I always say that the when I moved from a messenger bag to a backpack, it was life changing because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I don't have to put all this weight on one shoulder. Oh, my shoulders don't have to be ruined all the time. Yeah. And then I moved from a backpack to a pannier, which is one mm-hmm. of those um, bags that goes on to the weight of your bike, and they're great because they let your bike carry the weight as opposed to your shoulders. That was life changing. And then when I moved from panniers to an extra cycle cargo bike, which I commuted 20 miles a day on my cargo bike for years um, because I hauled, I I commuted 10 miles across town, so I hauled everything I possibly could so that Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, only once did I have to go back in the middle of the day, and that was a long day. 40 miles is a lot to ride in a normal work day. But if that's maybe your commute, maybe you're in the camp of people who want to consider an e-bike. One of the big things that makes people consider an e-bike is the overwhelmingly two things stood up stood out folks needed to make it easier to travel long distances so they had a long commute um, or they had a commute like over a mountain <laughs> yeah um or they wanted to compensate for heavier loads so uh they have kiddos that are getting heavier and heavier harder to haul around in a trailer 
Um, or they have heavy loads that they're carrying because of work. They have equipment to carry, whatever. Last but not least, reasons that people considered an e-bike was mobility issues. So it, they have asthma or arthritis, and they found it easier to bike on an e-bike mm-hmm. than it was right, with to... pedal assist. Yeah, with that little pedal assist to make the bad days a little easier. So I... This was our most... We got the most listener input of any topic that we've ever done, Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, which probably speaks to the fact that I formerly worked in the bike industry, so I knew a lot of people to ask. But we had over 70 comments, so there were so many good and interesting questions, and I thought it was best to just ask people who did make the jump into an e-bike or cargo bike why they chose to do it. Overwhelmingly, folks said that they were able to justify the cost of a e-bike or a cargo bike as a replacement for getting a car. So either their first car or they didn't want to get a second family car. Marnie said, my kiddo is too big to haul. He just hit six feet. Uh, But I had an all-electric Fiat that I was leasing and it was time to turn it in. I rarely drove to work anyway, but between the lease, insurance, and paying for parking just two days a week, $7 minimum, my bike was paid for in about six months. I haven't driven to work since May 2018. Nice. Anne said we had two cars, one very reliable and one terribly unreliable that was costing us $400 a month to repair, averaged out over the year. I got fed up with it and decided to donate the car and buy a cargo bike, an extra cycle radish in 2011. These have great names, by the way. They do. I figured it was only six months of repair bills at that point. We never bought another car. We added a Madsen when I became unexpectedly pregnant with a third child in 2016 and needed something that could carry an infant. All told, I think we have maybe spent a year and a half repair bills for the car we've got rid of. Never mind the insurance, gas, general wear and tear. Another note, Christy said, our cargo bike was 2500 and the car was 4000 but the bike costs maybe hundreds of years to maintain at most, and the car is thousands. Insurance is $85 a month, 20 to 30 in gas a month on average, plus maintenance, and a lot of credit unions have short-term loans to help with the initial outlay for a bike. Um, that I actually worked uh, with the first bank to credit union to ever offer a <laughs> bike loan uh, at my old job. That's true. I never even thought about loans for e-bikes. But yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense right at that price point. Um, and, you know, ideally, ideally, we don't like to borrow money for depreciating assets, but mm-hmm. that can help lessen the initial blow. Uh, so for a lot of people, Christy said they are a car replacer. That it was just there are so many different price points on the market now and setups that it was it's pretty attainable. Heather said, when I bought my e-bike, I didn't have a car and I had to commute to a nearby suburb over the hills. So I was able to justify the expense. But now we have a car and I drive to work. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to take my kid to his weekly therapy appointments. Get your kid a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Esther said, we got a used e-assist bullet. Uh, yet another kind of cool name, which I now think of as a small bike, uh, which is, just to be clear, it's a pretty large cargo bike, mm-hmm. but uh, you it's kind of one of those Apparently things. Apparently a larger bike is coming up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, before kid number one, and it was our around town, in quotes, car. So that was easy because it was cheaper than any reliable used sedan. After kid number one became daycare commute vehicle before he could sit upright, they don't recommend a helmet before one year at the earliest, so you need to be able to use a car seat in it. Then we got an actual car for out-of-town trips. Then we found out there was going to be kid number two. Then the e-assist died. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. car is more going out-of-town car. It's gas hog. 
large, hard to park. It's a camping van. So using it for commuting in around town didn't make sense. We upgraded to the fancy new mega giant e-assist cargo bike, a Paxter 80. The Paxter 80. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a big bike, uh, which can carry both kids, lunches, snacks, diapers, change of clothes, rain gear, boxes of outreach training materials, printouts, signs, swag, laptop. Me and husband both lug around for jobs, groceries, truly a mini minivan replacer. Sounds like a large bike. Yeah. Um, Search some of these so I can see their pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It made sense because brand new it cost about the same as a relatively reliable older sedan with six digits on the odometer so that was a huge factor is people noting that really a the price of a cargo bike is the price of a cheap used car and so for a lot of people they just simply justified it if they could say that it was going to replace car trips for them. Yeah. Oh, I see the Paxter 80 now. That is a large bike. It That's is, a cool it, it one. Is, I've definitely seen, I feel like I've seen most of these models kicking around town here. So Genevieve said, we really didn't want to need to buy a second car as expensive as an electro car bike was. And we went pretty all out getting a Rees and Muller Paxter 80. It was dramatically cheaper than another car. At the point we decided to go electric, we had been using a non-electric cargo bike for about eight months, so we had learned what we liked and what we didn't and knew that getting around kids primarily by bike was feasible. And we were moving to a much more hilly area, and it felt like adding the electric assist was going to be the difference we needed to complete the jump. Makes sense. We were right. Within a few months, I was riding the Paxter more than 300 miles a month. And by the end of that year, we had sold our remaining car and gotten a second electric cargo bike instead. Almost two years in and our whole family, including my brother and his girlfriend, get get around primarily by e-bike. With four adults and two, soon to be three children, we have only one car used about one a week, once a week. At this point, the only thing that's hard to justify is the cost of the car. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of people who talked about how a the choice to to get a e-bike rather than a regular bike, uh, the cost was really for mobility reasons. So um, one of them was I use mine for work. I transport orders to the post office and run deliveries so the orders Mm -hmm. can be pretty heavy. I used a long tail for years for kid transportation, groceries, and loved it. But as I got older and my Achilles tendons were acting up more and more, I found myself occasionally driving the car simply for that reason. This limited my wife's options since we're a one-car family. So I started to look on Craigslist to see what a used Nissan Leaf might go for since my needs were low mileage and in town. While I was searching, I stopped myself and thought, what am I doing? I should get an e-bike. Since I like the long tail setup, I got an Exercycle Edge Runner and it's been amazing. I own my own business, so I was able to have work by it, mm. which was a bonus. That's cool. That's cheaper than a company car. Yeah. Caroline and Paul said financially it felt like if it would save them from buying a car, they don't have a car at all. Uh, they were able to take their toddler daily to day t- uh, daycare and convenience was key. Plus, they were able to see the kid and carry on a conversation with him while biking in a way that they couldn't with a cheaper trailer. That's true, with him 15 feet in the back or whatever. Um, I will. It's not 15 feet away. <laughs> That's a long trailer. That's if you're carrying your child on a cargo trailer. Um, <laughs> Uh, No, I mean, overwhelmingly, a lot of the parents said that one of the big reasons that they used a box bike um, or a Bacchiette was because 
bike choice made a huge difference in their ability to get their kids on the bike, to have flexibility as their kids got older and got heavier, and for their ability to just have a good conversation, keep an eye on their kids. Um, And a lot of people that were carrying kids before they hit that one year mark when they're not supposed to wear a helmet Mm -hmm. yet, um, the box bike was really the only option in order to have that kid in a car seat easily. Mm. I didn't know that kids under one shouldn't wear helmets. That's interesting. I mean, they also like don't really make helmets, but you don't want to like squish their squishy heads yeah their heads are all squishy right so i definitely had some formative years in the back of a burly trailer oh yeah my little brother i fit too just just so you know my dad tipped me over on a bike when i was a kiddo and i i still grew to love bikes so parents out there if you accidentally fall with your kid on the bike (laughs) there's still hope they won't be scarred for life hopefully A lot of people said that they tried several different types of cargo bikes to try to figure out what was best for their needs. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to spend that much money on a bike without trying lots of options. Yeah. Ralph said we tried trailers, but ultimately we ended up with a used Bakfiets and a viewpoint with um, back seats. And both had e-assist added. One of the big things, though, people said when considering bikes was that they... uh, if you have to go on transit, suddenly an e-bike or a cargo bike make a lot less sense. So Mary said, we'd been really happy using kid seats and occasionally a trailer with our regular bikes. We live on the west side of Portland and therefore we have to take the MAX, our light rail, mm-hmm. through the tunnel every workday during rush hour. So a cargo bike wouldn't be practical because you can't put it on the train, even if they weren't so expensive. Right. Um and Marnie chimed in and said, I've found not being able to take my e-bike on Max to be one of the only things that's a downside. It's too heavy to put on the bike hex- hooks. I have a 40-pound Faraday, which is one of the lightest e-bikes that you can get, and I can't get it up there. <laughs> um, and that's the the big thing. Even like a long tail, I've taken my long tail on... Um, I've taken it on the max and like hung it on the bike hook. Um, but I would only do that not during rush hour. And you have to do kind of a weird angle thing to get it up there. I've seen that. Yeah, it is. It is a weird angle. And and please remember that I'm really tiny. So even my my cargo bike is a lot smaller than maybe Will's cargo bike would be. It's definitely long. Oh, yeah. Other than my car. Yeah. My hypothetical <laughs> cargo bike would definitely be very large. Uh, so but yeah, but mine is still shorter. So like that's one of the reasons I can fit my long tail on, on the train. So that's one of the big things uh, to think about is like how you're going to use the bike. Are you going to have the functionality of of it? Other people said for mobility reasons, they aren't necessarily hauling kids, but that they just found that the e-bike helped them on bad days. I really liked Ellen, who has arthritis and asthma's story um, about why she got an e-bike to bike on bad days. She has a car that she uses for her commute, but biking is sometimes easier than me on walking and always faster especially if I'm having a flare, and it avoids the exhausting logistical issues that transit involved. If it's a matter of getting to the coffee shop, I can still go. If I want to go up to the farmer's market and get a load of heavy stuff, I'm not ruining my stylish farmer's market look by struggling to get it home. That is my stylish farmer's market look. Showing up all (laughs) sweaty and exhausted and then like jamming some fragile vegetables. You fit in better with the farmers, you know? I think that's important. Uh, She said, I can get up and overtake which is our our local giant hill in the middle of town and to work unless i am actively dying (laughs) i don't have to worry about timing the bus dragging myself to a stop or yet another bus or train driver pulling away instead of waiting the 20 seconds for me or trying to finagle a seat on the bus or the train 
I think one of the last straws was having a bad arthritis flare and trying to get up the last hill to my office. I got off my bike and started pushing up the hill on the sidewalk. I thought I had the situation under wraps, but someone stopped to ask if I needed an ambulance. I had a small group of people watching me, assuming I had been hit by someone in a car or possibly a truck. Yeah, because that's Ooh. all a very compelling argument for an e-bike. Yeah. Um, I There are quite a few people that mentioned that they live in hilly areas and they have asthma and e-bikes allow them to ride when they otherwise would not be able to ride over those hills with asthma. Um, so that seemed to be a big thing. Uh, a lot of people just mentioned the marginal shift that an e-bike gave them towards deciding to ride versus drive. Mm -hmm. So like they already liked biking, but they would choose to drive for speed reasons or something like that. Matthew said it was a big enabler in getting an e-bike to bike 80 plus percent of the time to work in the bay. Anything I could do on a car commute, I could do in an e-bike commute just as easily. Um, time was another big reason that people did it. So uh, one listener wrote in and said, I live in Cambridge and commute to Boston, 4.5 miles, two buses. E-biking kept me warm and active through the winter, oftentimes between bus connections. It was up to 30 minutes, which was about the amount of time it takes to bike. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, was I wasn't going to bike, but the colder it gets, the crankier my arthritis in my knees and my wrist get. However, I was able to find a Gen Z.com bike on sale to 50%, which dropped it to approximately the cost of a bus pass over the course oh, yeah. of a well, year. Oh, yeah, doing that comparison. Yeah. <laughs> and it dropped my time outside from 45 to 60 plus minutes Buses are canceled sometimes, she knows, to 35 uh, minutes max. So that's a, a big deal. You know, a lot of people think of biking as always taking longer. But one of the big things is that e-bikes can really shift that uh, that negotiation. Right. And a lot of people mentioned that transit just is a lot more logistically challenging. And so you got to know what time it is and budget that into your schedule for getting somewhere on time. Right. Yeah. And it and that would uh, for a lot of people, if they had a car and their other option was transit or biking, they would end up taking the car because they didn't want to deal with transit um, and they didn't feel up to the bike ride. But getting an e-bike allowed them to make the choice to bike more often mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. uh, taking the car. So that was a big thing. Car replacement was the overwhelming reason that people said that they were willing to do it. And a lot of people noted just that it was about six months worth of uh, a car <laughs> to get an e-bike, which is kind of maps to the fact that the tri AAA says it's about $9,000 a year is the average cost of a car okay, and yeah. the average the e-bike average e is about $4,000. <laughs> so that makes a, a lot of sense. So Anne said we had two cars, one very reliable and one terribly unreliable that was costing us $400 a month to repair average jet over the years. Uh, we never bought another car after we bought a cargo bike. All told, I think we have spent maybe 1.5 years repair bills for the car we got rid of. Never mind the insurance, gas, general wear, and tear. Yeah, that so. sounds like a win. Someone should buy me an e-bike and I'll say things about it on the radio. <laughs> putting that out there. <laughs> Um, I think, Sarah, we just so you know, we had probably the most overwhelming number of responses to this to anything. And I think one of the big things is that people get really passionate about this. People, cargo bike people, once they identify as a cargo or an e-bike person, they really feel pretty strongly about it. And that is largely because biking is still pretty fun. 
<laughs> and I think that's one of the big things is that like it's not very fun to talk about 401ks. I don't get 70 responses within two hours guys. when I ask people for like, hey, how did you end up deciding to go with your 401k provider? Right. Versus how did you decide your cool bike? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think Sarah did one of the best simple responses which is a new car costs thirty thousand dollars my e-bike costs three thousand it takes me 20 40 minutes to get downtown in a car depending on the time of day on my e-bike it's 20 minutes every time yeah the consistency is huge i find that even with my 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 analog bike it's a uh... yeah i i know what time <laughs> i need to leave the house and i don't have to worry about like oh is there traffic blah blah yeah. blah 20 20 minutes wherever downtown and uh, what time does the bus get here what's the traffic look yeah. yeah um and sarah also noted parking is free and it makes me happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and that was a big thing is people talked about just really enjoying it So we're going to walk through uh, advice from some of our listeners on how to evaluate if this makes this jump makes sense to you after this break. Ways to test things out. Number one, you can see if you can borrow or rent an e-bike and try it on your usual commute during your usual time. See if you feel comfortable. The cargo and e-bike community is super into sharing and evangelicism. So if you don't have so if you don't have a local shop, you can still test things out. Make sure that you try out your different options. That was a big thing that people said is that it took a couple different options to figure out what kind of bike worked for them. And some people even shifted and changed as like their kids grew or their it needs grew. It does seem grew. like there's a very wide range, even past like the types of motors, but it's just in like the overall body shape of the bike. Yeah, there's a bunch of different things. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, Paul and Caroline mentioned is they're radically different sizes. Caroline's about my height. Um, and they wanted to be able to switch bikes back and forth. So finding a cargo bike that worked for both of them, that's a big thing is just like they wanted to be able to be able to switch back and forth to to have the logistics of like carrying around their kid because switching, you know, all of their kids stuff between bikes would have mm-hmm. been very frustrating. Oh, that's true. Huh. Here's a big thing. If one, if you have a local e-bike or cargo bike shop, I almost guarantee that they have some sort of test drive program. One of the big things, though, is I would say if at all possible, try to not just do a test ride around the block. What you need to do is be able to figure out if you are comfortable on your usual commute route during your usual time. If you've never biked before because it didn't seem practical without an e-bike, then a big thing is do your research. Um, yeah, see what local that's like. bikers were were evangelists, <laughs> right? Uh, and so quite often people will be willing to try to ride with you or help you figure out a route. Um, Google bike maps is okay <laughs> in a lot of places. Um, but I don't it, always love its choices. It's yeah. not always great. Um, I think it's a little better in Portland because our city share the data um, with Google. But if you don't have it as an option where you're at or you don't really like their route, another thing to do is there will be local bike maps produced by whatever your state or city's bike advocacy group is. Hopefully you have one. But almost overwhelmingly, they or your city's bike um, advocacy committee 
usually there is some sort of government mandate to increase the number of people getting around by bike. And because of that, they will usually produce some maps or something like that. Um, and so just test it during your usual time, because that's one of the big things is that we did find some people that said I, they really wanted to switch, but then they felt uncomfortable, uh, you know, carrying carrying their kids across busy traffic or they mm-hmm. felt too vulnerable with vehicles going too fast close to them. And so really be- making sure that you can test it out, because before you make a big investment like that, you want to make sure that you're actually going to use it. Right. So um that is one of the big things. If you don't have a local shop, you can probably find a, a local group uh, that like a Facebook group or a listserv of people that ride cargo bikes. And I almost guarantee they will let you yeah, <laughs> test yeah. out their bikes. Um, that is one of the big things that you should try out. And uh, the and the next thing is to do the calculations for not only the different types of bikes. So obviously on the cheapest end of hauling cargo or just bikes is a regular bike plus a trailer. On the most expensive end is something like an e-assist Bachfiat's bike, right? Right. Um, <laughs> brand uh, new. Brand Fresh br- off the rack. In brand new. Chrome. Fresh off the rack. And you have to get it mailed over from the Netherlands. Because that used to be true before there was U.S. distributors. Portland mm. has the first U.S. distributor of Bachfiat's, of I didn't course. know that, but I would have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> but do the t- calculations for the different types of bike, but also compare it to the different modes. So maybe you want a bike that can go on transit, in which case you'd need a lighter e-bike like the Faraday, or you need something that's like an e-assist motor you put on a normal bike, which is totally a thing mm-hmm. you can get. Um, or maybe you some- need something that's really easy to throw kiddos in because you know that like if you have to argue with them about if they're going to hold on to the back of your bike, you're just not going to bike. Um, maybe you carry a kayak or a ladder, in which case you're probably going to want a long tail. Um Believe it or not, the Extra Cycle Founders, which is the type of long tail I have, yeah. uh, are their world famous kayakers. And the reason they invented the oh, uh, cool. Extra Cycle was so that they could haul their kayak on their you bike. You couldn't put a kayak on your bike. Yeah, totally can. On an Extra Cycle, you can. It's great. Huh. Maybe a small kayak. Wouldn't it just like be hanging off like 15 Well, it goes, feet? It, yeah, it, it's long, but right. they have like this thing <laughs> called a side runner. So it goes out, um, it goes next to the bike, essentially. Oh, okay. Okay. I can They're picture really that. Cool. Like a lengthy pannier. We will link a picture in the show okay. notes of carrying it. Um, and it also can carry ladders and things like that. So if you have to carry those kind of things, just think about what your daily life is going to be could like. It, could it carry a kayak large enough to fit the bike in it? The, like, what if I needed to cross a river? Um, (laughs) so, uh, I know people that do, uh, they carry their bikes on inflatable boats. So when I was, when I worked at the bike valet in downtown Portland, because this is the most Portland thing ever, uh, a nurse commuted to work with a folding bike on her inflatable raft down the river. And she paddled a raft to work every day. And then she dropped both the raft and the folding bike off at the bike valet. Okay, okay. No, this this solves my hypothetical. Yeah. Which of course comes up all the time for me. How do I cross this river with my kayak and my bike? Yeah. And a... I, I know quite yeah. a few people that have done combo bike kayak trips. So All right, touche. <laughs> it, it is possible. Um and But the next thing you should do is figure out the time and money differences against driving in transit. So if you're trying to do this because you're thinking, oh, this is a car replacement or oh, like it's getting harder and harder for me to bike, but I would be able to bike this much more if I had an e-bike or Mm -hmm. something like that, then figure out the time and money differences against driving, transit, or whatever your other options are. So driving, 
you want to think about the full cost of driving, parking downtown, your insurance, things like that. Gas. Gas, if you're replacing a car. And transit, you want to think about not only the cost, but you want to think about um, time differences. So often, especially compared to an e-bike, transit may take a lot longer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And there's also the benefit of like, oh, if you had an e-bike, you might be able to commute after the last bus runs or something like that. Oh, that's true. That's definitely saved me a couple times. Uh, yes, definitely. Like when I think about how much easier it is to, uh, to not have to plan when I leave (laughs) somewhere. Um, the other thing I like about my long tail is that sometimes it made things a little easier for me because it was very easy for me to carry another bike on the back of my bike. Mm. Um, and so sometimes I would use, I would carry a bike to a friend or I would ride with a friend and then I would take their, their bike back home because they were, oh, I took a lot convenient. of friends to the airport, yeah. <laughs> uh, things like that. And then, you know, strap the bike on and bring it. Um, it was my way to get my bike to the shop. <laughs> And still be able to ride home. So those are things to figure out. I would recommend list out your cheap version of whatever these these trips are. Or, you know, maybe the cheap version is just keep riding a regular bike uh, and, you know, drive the car I have. What your medium term version is and then what your dream version is. And actually plot out against the different amounts. Because maybe the difference between your cheap version and your medium version is reducing the amount that you drive by 50% or reducing the amount of lifts you have to take by 50%. And suddenly it makes a lot of sense. So, Yeah, bikes are awesome. And as, by, by so, conclusion, <laughs> by, by conclusion, um, I think one of the big things is um, have some backup plans. So if you're new to biking, like if you're thinking about getting an e-bike because you've never commuted by work, if you're using it to like upgrade something you're already used to, it's a little different. But if you're new to biking, I, as someone who has taught hundreds of bike commuting one-on-one workshops, that used to be my whole job. Uh, I always recommend figuring out your backup plans. If you are used to commuting by car, you might not think about the fact that like you have to be able to fit everything in kind of a smaller platform. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're on a regular bike, you need to be able to fit your backup plans on your panniers. And generally, I've just noticed that people that bike regularly tend to have more backup plans in the back of their head. They kind Mm -hmm. of they kind of know the different options. Know which bus they could hop on if I get a flat tire. Exactly. So things to think about are one, you can figure out your boundaries, which is like maybe you decide you're not going to bike when the wind chill is below 20 Fahrenheit height or the chance of rain is above 50 percent like you know make your boundaries so that you can kind of encourage yourself know what you're going to do if you need to get home from work on transit if you can't take your bike or what friend you can call if you're stranded and you need someone to carry your heavy e-bike home Mm -hmm. um think about where you're going to lock your bike during the day um ideally hopefully you have a safe place an indoor place in sight uh at the very least in sight um and uh, w- how you maybe are going to store your bike if you do take transit home. So those are things to think about is just what your backup plans are. Um, one thing to know is that just like there is roadside assistance for cars, there's also roadside assistance for bike. So if you're getting an e-bike because you you know live outside the city or you have a long commute, um, you can get different plans. I believe AAA, Better World mm. Club, a lot of them have ones and they will come pick up you and your bike and transport you up to 100 miles. So that is a good thing to know about if you are in the situation where you're like 
well, I definitely can't haul a lift because there's no lift around here yeah, and there's yeah. no transit or something and like nothing that. Nothing would fit my giant e-bike and kayak. Right. And your and your kayak and your other bike. <laughs> How I roll. Yeah. <laughs> what if there's a river? <laughs> all I can't the, jump. Yeah. All of the different things. And then last but not least, a lot of people talked about the fact that e-bikes and cargo bikes and just bikes in general retain their value a lot better than cheap cars do. Um, so that's a big thing is that we've talked before. Cars depreciate as soon as you drive them off the lot. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, we generally discourage people from, if possible, taking out a, a big loan for a depreciating asset mm-hmm. simply because, you know, you're paying interest on something that's going down in value. But um, uh, generally, people talked about having cargo bikes that they bought for $2,000. And if they maintain them in a decent in de- decent shape, th- selling them for almost the same price 10 years later. Um, huh. And so, which That's is, wild. yeah, very hard to find with a car. So that is a big thing that people talked about was just generally replacement costs. Christy said they retain a lot more value than a car. So the main investment is upfront. One to 5K seems like a lot for a bike. But now that we have a car, it is still way more expensive to own and maintain than the bike. Yeah, so. I bet that makes sense. It's- um, and a lot of people said that the reason that they, you know, there's kind of a pervasive myth that e-bikes don't give you a workout or something like that, but they're not motorcycles. They're not mopeds. You do still get a workout, uh, especially on hills on an e-bike. And so a lot of people did this because it was both a car replacement, but also a gym replacement mm-hmm. for them, uh, especially folks that are hauling kiddos <laughs> or yeah, yeah, heavy yeah, equipment. That's, that's right? added so that was one of the big things. There is so much interest in talking about this topic. I'm sure we will continue talking about this on uh, the forums. So if you are interested, just tune into the thread when this episode airs on the forums and people, you can compare different types of e-bikes to your heart's content. <laughs> We'd love to hear if you have shifted to an e-bike or um, or have shifted away from one. If you have a cargo bike, how you decided to make the financial investment I think, as always, it depends on your lifestyle and values, and it's always good to run the numbers. <laughs> yeah. As usual, I'm, right? I'm, I don't know if this was quite what this episode is about, but I'm, 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 now I'm considering more buying a Burley or some trailer. It'd be nice. It'd be convenient. I don't think I need to go full e-bike. But... Trailers are pretty great. Um, there's also some trailers that are like foldable, so they're oh, good for cool. like apartment dwelling. But the the big thing is uh, like the more compact the trailer stores, the less it hauls generally. Yeah, yeah. So... yeah I got a big house. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be nice to haul some things around. And I don't think I'd need to modify my bike much to put it on there. Oh, that's one of the big things is, yeah, you don't have to modify a bike usually to put a trailer on. Right, versus panniers or something. Yeah. Huh. I'll report back. All right. We're going to find out if Will gets a trailer. Ooh, I'll wait a, till next episode. <laughs> I'll post a picture of my gorgeous, gorgeous cargo bike. She's very cute. Uh, and I definitely did not pay thousands of dollars for my cargo bike. I built it out of scrap from from a bike dumpster here in town. <laughs> There's like a local used bike shop, which was actually later the one I worked at. Uh, that's a nonprofit that on Sundays will let you for $5 a pound come get things out of their bike dumpster. <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> so that's what I built my extra cycle out of. It's a good way to do it. Does that wrap our show? That wraps our show for today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> that wraps our show for today. That wraps our show for today. 
We love hearing from you. Email us your financial worries, successes, bike pictures, thoughts, at questions, at oh my dollar, or you can tweet us at Anomalily or at oh my dollar. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. My bike's name is Persephone. And your host <laughs> and personal finance educator is me, Lillian Garbake. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. 